Welcome to the Planet Argon podcast. Today we have Robbie, Allison, Carlos, and Gary. Last week we asked our listeners to suggest topic ideas and several of you asked about our various processes. So this week we're answering the question How do we manage bugs? Well, that's a great question. Okay, so, anyways, um, first of all, before we get into talking about um, how we manage bugs, I think we should probably clarify what a bug is versus. Um, well, what a bug is to us. What are, yeah, how do we define a bug I, right. and such? So, so I guess maybe what are some different types of bugs? Major showstoppers. That's minors. Well, yeah. What would be like kind of a yeah? There's we kind of classify bugs as either you know vital or you know a major or minor type bug. So a major bug would be there's people are getting a 500 error, the site's down. Something along those lines, something catastrophic or something that is preventing our client from making money. For example, like if their e-commerce system has a, an issue in the process in the credit card checkout processor, maybe that is um, that's a, preventing them from making money. And so we don't want that to happen. Um, but there are minor issues such as maybe styling issues or maybe there's a background task that's not running um, being triggered properly and we need to go through and you know repair that at some point. But there's definitely different types of um, prioritization or ways that we prioritize bugs to um, respond to them. Hopefully we don't run into a situation where we have a ton of major issues, but usually it's only a few major issues and most of the other bugs that were that are on our plate are what we'd classify as minor, something that's not urgent. So. Okay, so we've kind of categorized you know how we see bugs. We've got major, minor, but uh, how do we come across bugs? How do we how do we find out about them? Well, I think a lot of the bugs that we do that we that come to our attention are typically through some sort of an exception in the application. So we are using Exceptional, which is a um, service that we use that will who develops that. Um, that is developed by the guys over at Contrast. Uh, they're based in Ireland. And they have a tool which allows us to install a plugin to our application so that every time an exception is raised, which would be like a 500 error, it sends off uh, the backtrace and the information over to Exceptional, which they then parse and organize in the proper project so that, and then notifies us on Campfire and email and any other couple of different ways that we can get notifications so that we can, you know, add them as tickets in the lighthouse or something. But that, that's typically how a lot of the exceptions are raised. And that's a pretty Bugs. cool uh, tool too. It's been around now for a while. I think. About a year and a half now. I think we've been using it. So we got yeah. to use it pretty early on. So uh-huh. um, we've been kind of big fans of them. I know there's also a Hop Toad, which we've not used ourselves, but I've used it on a personal project. It's about the same. About the same. Yeah. Okay. I know. I haven't really seen like a good compare and contrast. So it's got a decent interface too, so you can get quite a lot of information uh, directly from their site. So you can see the number of occurrences and look into um, backtrace info, that which kind of stuff. Yeah, because before we used to use another plugin, which would just send an email for every single time an exception was raised. So we would get like, you know, all of a sudden an exception got it deployed, you know, one night, and the next morning we wake up and have hundreds of the same exception all in emails, and it's really hard to kind of count that and sift through all that and organize and know that the right. We can kind of with exceptional, we're able to kind of tap into connect with Lighthouse so that we can assign a ticket to someone and know that someone's working on it. Whereas if everybody was getting an exception email, it's harder to kind of coordinate who's going to be responsible for resolving that problem. But um, 
another way that we get um, bugs kind of reported to us is also we, we you know we come across it ourselves. So we're, we're testing out something you know locally or in our staging environment, or sometimes in production we notice something's not working right. Um, we will kind of look into that and prioritize that accordingly. So and then there's also the other scenario where a client uh, brings the bug to our attention, or even worse, is one of their one of their one of their customers brings it to their attention. So what we really don't want is to be in a situation where the end users or the consumers of the applications are actually the ones having to report bugs. So that's kind of like the last resort um, mm-hmm. situation. But um, but typically we I mean we we've been pretty fortunate not to have to deal with a lot of end user reported bugs because we have these other things in place but I think for a lot of applications that don't have things like exceptional put in place they are probably relying a lot on their clients reporting bugs and or their clients customers which can um, disappoint their um, their experience of working with you or the confidence in the application so that's why we use things like exceptional so so anyways let's maybe talk about some of the tools that we use here at Planet Aragon to kind of manage and resolve bugs but so we're talking about unofficial and official tools. <laughs> <laughs> things that you recommend and things that uh, also still happen. Yes. For example, email. Yes. Right. We do get notified of bugs by email occasionally, and it's far from our preferred method. Um, so is that like a client emailing us or something? Yeah. Occasionally we might find out from a client. And the problem there is that not all of the team uh, is notified of it, unless they're you know, on the distribution list. But um, there's also no history of the bug, so that we can't go back and you know, look at how things have happened uh, in the past. So there are just too many problems trying to do that. It's also just a poor method of communication, of you know, showing how uh, the bug was resolved. So it happens, but it's far from our preferred method. Yeah, I think email is one of my least favorite ways of communicating with clients on most of the types of things that we interact with them. But specifically with bug tracking, the issue there is that, as Gary mentioned, that there's no, there's no like closed state on a, like a resolved state on an email. It's mm-hmm. they might say, okay, it looks good, but then you know three weeks later they'll just respond to the same email saying this came up again and. Is that open again? And it's really hard to go through all of your email and track, especially with the amount of email that we do get on a day-to-day basis, which emails are open or closed. So email doesn't really provide a good way of doing that. I mean, with Gmail, you could label them, but there's not like a consistency between everybody. There's not like a, we're all going to do the same thing on our own. We all have to, we're all, as individuals, you know, we're responsible for managing our email and it can get a little chaotic there. So that's why we like using a tool like a bug tracking software that will allow us to know which t- tickets are new versus open already, or, or you know maybe they're waiting for review or the results. So well, it increases visibility with the whole team as well, yeah. so that I can know I can know what's going on you know with other members of the team. If it's all hidden away in email, there's just no way for me to really know the status of the project as a whole mm-hmm. in terms of you know the issues that are open. And it also helps on the client side if they have you know somebody new coming onto the project, um, they can easily uh, look at the uh, you know the, the tickets in. We use Lighthouse, um, but the, the tickets in the bug tracking system versus you know having to get a bunch of emails forwarded to, to them from a previous you know team member or something mm-hmm. like that. And there's also uh, the management of minor uh, bugs, things that you may not want to fix immediately. 
um, they're real low level. Um, trying to manage them and keep track of them and see if they're around and they need to be fixed at some point, just not now. It's You need a better way to manage those and use a bug tracker. So, over the years, you know, since we started playing Argon, you know, you know, back many years ago, but we've used a handful of different uh, bug tracking software, you know, tools out there. You know, I think one of the first ones I ever used was Bugzilla, which is kind of a beast in itself of itself. Because it's, I mean, it's not like it's a bad piece of software. It's just really targeted towards really large projects where you're worrying about people's operating systems and browsers, and you know, and that. It was heavy-handed. Very much. And it's not something that you really want to put in front of a client to put That's a ticket. The most frequent complaint I've heard from different people who have used, you know, a whole lot of ticketing systems is that they tend to be, <laughs> they do so much, and it doesn't, it's overkill for them. Yeah, I would um, say it. They're they're good because I think a lot of times that they're they're developed by open source developers to support their open source projects, so they're working with a very technical audience. And in our situation, we're working, inter, you know, interfacing with our clients, and our clients. It's not that they're not technically savvy. It's just they don't need. They're not. It's not really beneficial for them to have to fill in a lot of other fields. They could describe that in their, I mean, I mean, having to have a drop down of like which browser are you using is just like overkill. They could, if it's a bug related to IE6, they'll just mention that in their message or something, and that's sufficient. But even beyond that, it's like categorizing which release it was. Um, we don't really use like our clients don't know what release it is, whatever the current version that's currently deployed. So it's like there's a lot of options in something like Bugzilla. And there's the fact that you're already entering a bug, which is not really a good thing. <laughs> no. And then to have somebody to jump through hoops to do it, it's, yeah. <laughs> you want to keep it light and easy for people. So you have to think about like what their goal is. Their, I mean, their goal when they're submitting a ticket is they want to get something resolved as quickly as possible. So the sooner they can put the thing in there and the sooner that we can look over it and get, get a gist of what we're supposed to be looking at, the quicker we can resolve it. So oftentimes the best thing to do is just to have a conversation. So we... You know, as we mentioned, we use Lighthouse, which kind of helps facilitate back and forth pretty easily. And we'll go into some of the pros and cons of using Lighthouse in, in just a little bit. But um, I mean, we've also used a request tracker um, for some bug management and ticket management, and that's another one of those applications that's really heavy-handed. It's, I think it works a lot better for something like when we used to do hosting support. It worked pretty well with that, but. Um, a lot of that is like email based, so people could just email in a request, and then it gets, you can kind of delegate behind the scenes. Um, but it didn't, never really felt like the right kind of tool for what we do. And I mean, I feel like there was another one I think it was called like Mantis or something that we used at one point as well. But we eventually started using um, Basecamp for ticket management. You know, three or four years ago, about four years ago, to do items. Yeah, we were using to-do items or messages. So clients would just post a message saying, I had an issue with this. Or they would send an email or a Basecamp message. Or they would put in individual to-do items and then assign it to me or yeah. someone, like a project manager, and then we'd kind of assign that to-do to someone. But, there, but the issue with that, there was never any resolution, someone checking it off saying, I, I fixed this, but it doesn't really communicate back to the person that requested it that they fixed it. So we still had to rely on a lot of other ways of communicating with people, and it doesn't... You know, or we'd have an issue where it was a, mis um, a message would be opened up, and say like oh, I had an issue with these three things, which is another thing we should probably talk about like issues when adding tickets. You think ways to try to encourage your clients to keep your tickets focused to one specific issue at a time. But clients would post a big long message with like five to ten different issues, 
or they would send an Excel file of issues and we'd go through that and that's that wasn't the most efficient way to kind of manage that. But on the topic of real quickly about ways to get um, clients, I think one of the biggest challenges we've had even with email or even with the ticket manager system is when we have clients that will overload a ticket with several items at the same time and that makes it difficult for us to kind of spread out the the different mm-hmm. issues. And so I think I don't know if that's an issue with the ticket management systems that we've used and maybe they're not maybe they're still a little too heavy-handed and then it's not easy enough for them to do it or I think that's just a thing you have to help educate people and let them know that it, it's easier to split those up because there may be a part or one mm-hmm. section of it that we fix first and deploy and I think it's just a natural thing. People see something that looks related, and so they say, you know, this has gone wrong, and oh, also while I was there, I noticed this too. Mm-hmm. So it's just a natural tendency, and I think it, people don't always know that it helps us if you can split them up. So I wonder if maybe that's something, an area I think that ticket management systems could probably improve on is maybe a way to kind of facilitate that. Because I would expect that a lot of teams like us um, encounter that quite often and I mean almost every single client that we ever had does that to, at some point I mean we, tr- we, we we will respond to those kind of tickets and say oh we've added these other like let's say they add three items into a single ticket we'll copy paste those things and open up new tickets for them so that we can you know delegate the, and respond to those accordingly but and let them know that we did that as a way to try to educate them that those are three different issues that we're going to respond to um, but maybe ticket systems need to maybe facilitate that but you know, hmm. it's just something to think about. So, anyways, um, so Lighthouse. Yeah, we so we use Lighthouse. We've been using it for since uh, launch. Pretty much I since believe. they launched. I don't remember how long that's been. Two, two and a half, three years. Uh, about yeah, two and a half. Were, were we using it when you started? No. So uh, we switched. soon after. I remember Sorry. when. Um, I think they didn't they write a blog post that they did the initial <laughs> thing over a weekend or something. I think so. I remember reading something like that. Uh, so I mean. Lighthouse is, um, you know, written, was written by the guys at Active Reload, which have I think become part of ENTP now, and with uh, Rick Olson and Justin Palmer. And I mean, it's been a pretty good tool for us. I mean, it definitely filled a niche that, or at least a need that we had, and and allowing us to inter- you know put our clients in front of it, which was one of the important things. We want, we needed something that we felt comfortable saying, here you can add your tickets here, and this is where we'll be responding to them. We've even had clients take that and use it in their own teams yeah, internally. Yeah, one of our client, yeah, one of our clients does that. They have their own um, instance of Lighthouse that they use with some of their other vendors in their own internal projects. So, which we don't even have to see or anything. So they don't have to mix everything in, in our Lighthouse instance for them. But um, which makes it, I, I wonder how that works for them because they have two different things that they have to log in and out of. But I think that. Maybe you know they have the the accounts are linked though, so maybe it isn't so bad actually, because we have like other projects that we use that our clients aren't part of. So I guess it's probably kind of similar experience for them. I didn't think about it that way, I guess. Yeah. But so unless yeah, I guess it would work out okay. So um, so yeah, definitely um, filled a gap for us, I think. And uh, I think one of the best things or is best things about it is that. It integrates so well with everything else. People have written so many tools that work with it in the Rails community. Um, that be, that's because they have a, like a, a nice open API for people to interact interface mm-hmm. with. 
So uh, it works well with uh, Git and said um, exceptional, you know, is working off Lighthouse API. So a lot of the tools uh, that we use, they you know, play well with it, and so that helps us a lot. Mm -hmm. So like just to kind of go through the quick example of that. So as you mentioned earlier, exceptional. When an exception comes is raised there, and say one of us looks at it in exceptional, we'll be like, "All right, this is something we need to respond to." So there's a little button that says "Send to Lighthouse." So we've added some Lighthouse information with our API key, and it gets sent to Lighthouse. And then from there, one of us can take over it and respond to it and resolve it. And then in exceptional, shows that it's been flagged as um, um, sent to Lighthouse. And I think that works out pretty well. And then we also use it with GitHub in that we're able to mark tickets as you know resolved or for review or reassign them to people that one's a little weird because you have to i think you have to get their names properly right with spacing and um, i don't really typically do that myself but you can do a lot of those different things in your commit message so we will be resolving an issue and um in, in, our, in a local branch commit that push it upstream to github and that will mark the ticket or you know, it will resolve. add a change set to the to the ticket so you can actually see a link back to to the GitHub commit, so which is helpful for our clients. So they might see that um, what they asked for actually required a lot of code changes. So they, when we maybe send them a time report of the time the time we logged against fixing that issue, they'll see that there was actually quite a bit of things that needed to get changed for that you know that, that bug to get fixed. Other things I kind of like about Git, or at least I mean Lighthouse, is that we're able to kind of organize things per milestone. Um, the milestones things are a little weird in Lighthouse, but I mean for the most part they allow us to do what we need to do is like for for example with one of our projects actually two of them we have monthly retainers and so we just have a um, a retainer bucket uh, milestone which is the default uh, milestone that a new ticket gets added to and so when say a client adds a ticket for a bug it'll automatically get dropped into that bucket and then we can organize those accordingly and then we bill against those on you know on an hourly basis or something and that works out pretty well and we don't have to keep managing those but we're also able to have other iteration milestones so in the example that we're working on some new implementation features and in the middle of development we can um, coordinate tickets and things with each other within that iteration and still use github integration and everything else that goes along with that so that there's always a steady stream of um, information occurring there, but um, oh, no, another great thing I like about um, Lighthouse is that our clients are able to inter interface with it via email. In that, um, so they can reply to tickets yes. in their email system instead of having to go out and to the website uh, and, to the and website respond and respond. Add a comment there. Because I know that some of our clients have have added. Um, or responded to tickets when they're n not even at their desk, so from their iPhone or from yeah, their we get a lot device. of sent from iPhone responses in live in 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 our app, so which is kind of nice. So um, maybe we just I, don't, there, I think is there an email address or something that you can actually create a new ticket via email? Because maybe we should just tell our clients that send emails to just send <laughs> if they're going to add a new issue. But I think they still. But often when they yeah, send an email, it's usually they're sending it to one person that they right. think can fix it the fastest, and so they're trying to like mm -hmm. prioritize it almost. So I mean, I kind of get why they do that sometimes, but kind of want to discourage that as much as possible. All right, so those are some of the things we like about Lighthouse. So maybe you could talk about a few of the, the things that we're not so keen on when it comes to working with Lighthouse. Yeah, I think um, probably um, 
one of the areas that we've had the most trouble with over the last couple of years is just certain parts of uh, the UI. Sometimes I think there have been some confusing things and I think even to this day I still find it uh, difficult to find a couple of the things that I use frequently, um, which kind of baffles me because if I'm using them frequently I, I, I don't understand why my brain's not clicking <laughs> and I'm not finding that. So that's kind of like top of my sort of list of things that I have problems with. I feel like, like for me personally, like one of the things I find myself doing on accident a lot. Yeah, I, well, I think there's always the question I have with a lot of applications. I had the same issue with. Um, there's another app that we use with. Um, it's not New Relic, and one of the problems I have with New Relic is that I never know where I am, and when I'm kind of digging through things, and I feel that way when I'm in my house as well. It's kind of really hard. It feels. It doesn't feel obvious that I'm within a project scope within a project. It doesn't really feel like there's that. It's kind of hard to describe because it's kind of like an experience feeling thing. I just don't feel like I know where I'm at. And so I find myself wanting to add a new ticket, but all of a sudden I realize that I'm actually creating a new project or something. And because the buttons are in the same place and they look the same and there's really there's really not a lot of differences between how those two pages look and the sidebars look. So it doesn't, I don't know, it's just kind of a personal, maybe personal preference issue with the design. But the other thing is that I also, the the search isn't exposed. There's a little search icon, so I don't really ever use the search. But I feel like if it was exposed, it would be more easier for me to kind of search for things. Um, if it was just right there that I can start typing away at. And so what I end up doing a lot is I'll just go look at all the open tickets and I'll just use the browser in browser search for keywords and see if I can find it in the the list of all the you know of all the the subjects of all the tickets and such. So I feel like that's a kind of a shortcoming and I don't know why they do it exactly but I think one of the things that trips me up is when I when I want to see all the tickets that are assigned to me I'd like to see them across all projects Mm. and they're the way the interface works right now is that they're scoped by project so you can see you know per in a per bucket basis for project like uh, you know have three tickets for project X and four, four tickets for project uh, why? But I can't see that I have seven seven tickets altogether, mm. and I'd 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 like to see to be able to say I have a universal you know bucket and just give me all all the numbers of tickets that I have in there, and then I can just look at it and then you know prioritize my day by by that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would be kind of nice to be able to to see all your tickets and prioritize and kind of manage your plate for you know all the tickets you want to resolve. Because it's not only a matter of prioritizing per project, but you have to kind of prioritize bugs across projects. So there could be a lot of minor issues on one project, but you know one major ticket on another. And if you're not actually paying attention to that project, you might miss it, and then that client's unhappy about it. And so, um, so and also as a like for me, when I'm kind of acting as in the role of like a project coordinator, it makes it difficult for me to really know um, how I should you know kind of ask people to focus on different areas because I don't really have a good global view of all the open issues. So. It's, it's time consuming and so I feel like there's just some weak areas of Lighthouse that I think I hope that they'll you know maybe address at some point but does, does Lighthouse currently have um, states for you know this is a higher priority than the other one I, I can't remember if they do for different priorities based on state yeah not they have no. they added a priority thing they so this is a little side thing about the UI thing I don't know if they fixed this yet but they did add a priority um, like drop down on when when you're adding a new ticket, which uh, we have the ability to uh, to uh, 
specify on a per project or on a per account basis whether or not that can show up for our clients when they're adding a new ticket. But I had an immediate problem with it in that the default value was high priority. And I felt like that needs to be the completely opposite way because I feel like clients will just ignore that unless they feel like they need to make it a high priority, but they're not gonna, I feel like right. it, makes it, it makes it too easy to submit a lot of high priority tickets, which which is what we would consider as major issues, and then everything would look like it's a higher priority. It's like, I don't remember remember the days of working anywhere with Outlook and everybody flagging their emails with yeah. a, the little high priority flag. It'd be like that nonstop. Mm-hmm. So we disabled that. But anyway, so some of the things we're kind of less keen on when it comes to Lighthouse. I mean, we've looked at a couple of different you know tools over the years. We've um, we tried using Sifter at one point for one project, but they didn't have an API in it. To my knowledge, they still don't have an API, so there's no integration with other applications. Another issue is that we use some other tools when it comes to managing or working, assisting us with tickets, which we wanted to kind of cover real quick. And one of those is Sketch, and so we use Sketch to uh, take screenshots of issues, which makes it really easy to visually communicate exactly what's wrong, like especially when it's like a browser issue or something's just not appearing right or when you roll over something and there's some JavaScript thing and it's like completely wonky, it's really easy to take a sketch of that and so and then post that to the ticket. And with Lighthouse, you can actually embed the little image into your comment or in the message. It makes it really easy for us to be like, I mean, if you look at a lot of our tickets, you'll see that it's mostly a sketch with like a sentence next to it saying, look at the sketch and it's pretty freaking obvious what the problem was. So. Um, Sifter didn't. Sifter didn't allow you to post um, images or sketches and stuff into the ticket, so that was kind of a deal breaker for me. Yeah, it and, strips all. Sorry, it strips all the HTML. Yeah, so mm. that was not very helpful. I think you had to upload an image or something into Sifter, which that just slowed the whole process down for me. So right. I was like, well, they, just... and it's expected for that with like code examples as well. They suggest that you use something like a text file or something, or. Um, Whatever GIST. it is, yeah, like gist or something, and link to that instead. And, yeah. and we really like to keep all of the information right there in the ticket rather than linking to other things or requiring people to download attachments. So it would, would it even attach it to that particular comment? It would, in that I think if you upload, it's been a while since I've used it, so I don't, I mean, forgive me if I'm, I mean, they might have fixed this since then, but as far as I remember, you, you would upload an image to a comment right. or, or a ticket. And then you would see a link to go look at the image, but it wouldn't, as far as I remember, it wouldn't show the image. So mm. with Sketch images in Lighthouse, you can actually look at like a small thumbnail of it, which can be usually can be most of what you need to see without actually having to click at it to go look at a bigger version. So yeah, actually, I almost always just look at the thumbnail. I can clearly see it because I think by default most people use a large font on the sentences. Mm. Yeah, so and going, going back to Sketch because I think we kind of glossed over. What that is, it not only does it allow you to take screenshots, but once you take a screenshot, you know, you can annotate that screenshot with text, yes. pointers, boxes. You can draw on it, so you can easily point out, you know, where something, where a problem is on the screen, and it's it's easy. Once you put that into Lighthouse, you can just see from the thumbnail image that you know where the problem is. Yeah, it's highly recommended. We we all really uh, enjoy using it. It's a great app, but I think the only downside is that there isn't a Windows version, and yeah. some clients are running on Windows, and so we have to recommend uh, Jing to them. 
which is actually pretty good. Yeah. Just not as good. And I, it does videos, which sketch doesn't. Yeah, so we, we actually use Jing sometimes as well. We want to take a short video of an issue. So we can actually walk through and show, like, okay, I'm rolling over this and this isn't appearing or something, or I click on this and I get this error. You can actually walk through the process really quickly and um, make sure that it's a, you know, it's communicate the issue. So Jing is good for video and pictures and you can do the annotation on photos as I mean on graphics or the, the images in Jing but um, the one th sketch feels better integrated in that you actually get the nice little like embed code and in Jing like you get like a full s bigger picture um, screenshot usually our clients when they upload Jing images it's not they're not as um, they don't feel as compact and they don't it's some they sometimes are really wide images and then they kind of break the the style on our lighthouse tickets, but that's it but all the information comes to us, so it makes it much easier for us to go through and, you know, resolve those issues when they are able to do that. So I don't even remember how we used to do this stuff before. <laughs> You're like, go look at this and you'll notice this and we'd have to do a lot of like trying to figure it out ourselves, but now we can just rely on those sketch images to really kind of tell us exactly what the problem is. And we don't even have to go double check it. We'll just go start fixing the problem because we, we trust that the sketch is correct. All right. So anyhow, I think just kind of going back quick, quick summary, just kind of wrap things up. But uh, we, we want to thank the people that helped us with kind of collect ideas. And we're looking at those and we'll be looking at um, making a decision on what we're going to talk about in our next episode. But in this episode on how do we manage bugs, we kind of went through and described how we categorize major versus minor bugs, how we... We're interact or interface with our clients on those getting reported to us and the other tools that we use to be notified of them, along with um, some of the tools that we use, such as Lighthouse and Sketch and Jing, which we all you know like for the most part, and some of the things that we think we could be improved between them. But um, thanks for listening, and if you have any questions or thoughts, or you want to feel free to share with us on our planetargon.com/podcast is where you can find all of the uh, podcasts that we have. Uh, published so far and you can also find us on itunes now and well thank everybody for listening and thank you to miles for sending over some suggestions on how to improve the leveling of our podcast so hopefully this one will turn out a little bit better than the previous ones but we're still learning but thanks for listening and have a great day come on everybody say goodbye Bye. Bye. happy Bye. birthday to you happy birthday to you Happy birthday!